Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. want to thank you so much for making your way, finding this podcast. Uh, hopefully, if this is your type of thing, if you like uh, keeping up with all your favorite artists or discovering some new ones or just know what's happening in the music world, then you'll hit subscribe so we can send you three new interviews every single week. A brand new one on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Of course, you can find us at all the major podcast hotspots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you like to get yours from. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I'm going to be talking with Kathleen Edwards, who is back with a new record called Total Freedom. She released one album in the last decade, and it is so great to have her back with this new set. And of course, we're going to be talking about that. In fact, we're going to start talking about what she did in the meantime. She famously quit music and opened a coffee shop that she called Quitter's Coffee. So not only do I want to hear about that journey, but I want to talk about coffee. We're going to be doing that as well. Uh, we'll get into her writing about her comeback really focusing on uh, drums as the foundation for the record, taking a lot of inspiration from the war on drugs. And we'll talk about some of the business side of things, too. You know, she likes to follow what uh, David Lowry of Cracker and Camper Band Beethoven's uh, talking about online. He talks a lot about copyright law. So uh, I want to get into the business side of songwriting and a little bit of the political side, too. Uh, she famously had a song on her last record, Voyager, called Empty Threat, where the line was, I'm moving to America, that's an empty threat. So now we're going to talk about the empty threat of Americans saying they're going to be moving to Canada. She'll also throw out some Louisville love, tell us about her uh, early days of touring with 
with my morning jacket and uh, why she keeps a Louisville slugger beside her bed. So let's get into it. Talking about this record, Total Freedom, it's Kyle Meredith with Kathleen Edwards. Hi. You've got this new record, and it's called Total Freedom, and we absolutely love it. So first off, congratulations, and thanks for just not, uh, I'll lean into the word completely quitting uh, everything forever, so the extended break. Yeah, I also ran out of money. No, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) You know what? I did realize one thing about opening a cafe and uh, giving up playing music for a living was I was like, whoo, I make a little bit more money playing music than I do selling a cup of coffee. But, um, but you know, that's life costs money. I, I, it's not about money. It's really not about money. I'm just being, I'm just joking. I, you know, before I was really doing the research on this, I started thinking to myself as like, I probably have more questions about coffee than, than would be natural for an interview right now about a brand new record. But uh, it's, well, you know what the worst, the worst admission I can make is that I'm actually not a coffee nerd at all. I find I I am in 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 the in the in the basics in the fundamentals I'm a big believer but all of the like silly like sort of very very um sort of preciousness of coffee culture is not my jam at all and I really love the fact that I like coffee space culture more than I like you know how many seconds did you pull that shot of espresso and did you make a swan when you did your latte art like you know my staff are amazing at that stuff, but I can barely, like my heart, my latte art, heart, it looks generally like somebody's butt crack. So it's, I just have no talent for it. It seems sort of on brand, honestly. From, uh... <laughs> it's on brand. Quitter's <laughs> coffee. Here's an ass in your coffee. That's okay. I, 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 this is not to sound pretentious. Really not. I, I only drink the espresso. I'm not just a cup of coffee guy, you know, but, uh, but what I was, I was watching, um, my wife had Curb Your Enthusiasm on and he was talking about because he opened a, a spike coffee shop. That's what it was. And uh, he was talking about how it's all about the beans. It's all about the beans. Like, did you, was that something like, did you put like all of the work in to find the perfect bean? Well, okay. When I talk about, when I just said like, it's all about the fundamentals, I am a huge believer that you use a really good coffee roaster that you like, you know, like I use a, uh, a coffee roaster out of Toronto and they're two New Zealanders and Australia, New Zealand, they have mastered the art of coffee culture, co- roasting. They like just, I just think they have great aesthetic. And then the other thing that you like, it's all about the beans. Yeah, maybe. But if your equipment sucks, then then the beans have no help. So I'm, I'm a big like, use a really good coffee roaster and use really good equipment that somebody is constantly like calibrating for you. So you know that you're... So your stuff's working well. That's my two. Those are my two like theories about the whole thing. I'm sure it's a great cup of coffee. I guess I've never had it. I'm just gonna have to trust you. Ter- it's probably terrible, but no one's saying so. But it's got ass cracks in it, so that's you right. know interesting. Uh, so for all of those who are wondering what the hell is going on here, and I'm sure a lot of you have uh, read about this already, uh, you did take this extended hiatus where you quit music you opened up a coffee shop called quitters coffee uh, and then eventually it came back around as we all hoped it did we all hoped and and people really cared i mean surely that you did have a sense of that uh, that we like we noticed your absence and that's like a lot of artists you fade away you know you, you do your trajectory and then everybody sort of goes off in the and maybe it's because you went out you know at a peak at that moment with it with a voyager record still an amazing record but people really really did care that that you were gone was that noticed 
uh, in that way to you? Well, that's very generous of you to say. Um, I'm not sure that that's true. But, you know, that whole thing, that whole fear of being forgotten, I think is something that a lot of people, they presume that that is going to be the reason to not take a break from something that you're not enjoying. Like, I mean, I, I remember thinking that all the time, like you can't stop. No one, you know, you'll, you'll never be able to change your mind about this. And, you know, I, I was, I think what was really good was even though I'd have a few people come into quitters, whether they were people just passing through or people who lived in Ottawa where my shop is, and they would say, you know, big fan of your work and blah, blah. And maybe, you know, you're going to go back to music. I mean, it was always very flattering that they cared and that they were interested, but, you know, it was also just so good to not be that person for a while. Like to not be the person who's like, when's your next record coming out? When do you mean it's like, I have a, I have this other thing I can do for a while. And that just gave me a lot more space for life that I hadn't made time for. And, and it also just took the, like, it took the, the ego of uh, who am I and what am I, if I'm not doing this sort of off the plate and what do people think of me? Like, do people like me? Do people think I'm good to just have like a break from that chatter internally or outwardly was just really, really good, you know? So it, I don't know if it's true that people noticed my absence. I was very content to not care about that anymore. What's, there, there is an expectation. The, the album cycle is what I'm getting at, you know? Uh, and, and you have talked about the anxieties that was going on in your own life that kind of led up to this moment. But even within the business, you know, the, you know, you got to pump new music out like rabbits, uh, now, maybe even more than 10 years ago, you know, because of the, the way the streaming culture is set up. Is it an unrealistic expectation put on most artists? And, and I'll, I'll point out, you know, the opposite side of this. Um, Fiona Apple, who just released her, she does, her and Sade do like one every 10 years at this point. And it feels like as we're now finally actually talking about mental health in the music industry in ways that we never have in the past few, uh, these few years, I don't, I could see more artists doing this, you know, because uh, I'll ask that again. Is it an unrealistic expectation to keep asking for more and more music? Well, I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a young musician, just putting out your own work for the first time, trying to figure out how to get it out there. And at, uh, you know, on the flip side, I signed a record deal in 2002 and there wasn't even a, like there wasn't even a chapter in the contract about digital. Mm -hmm. So that's how wide a spectrum of change has existed in the music industry since I've been doing it. And I'm 42, like, I can't imagine what it's like for people. I mean, trust me, I don't feel bad for him, but Bruce Springsteen, like, you know, the changes that people of his age and era have navigated through all these changing times is incredible. But like, I don't, you know, uh, I follow, um, uh, what's the lead singer of Cracker who does a lot of copyright? Uh, David Lowry. David Lowry. I follow him on Twitter. And I'm always really interested in the advocacy and the importance of his message about the fact that through the technological advancements, we've really let copyright fall by the wayside for, uh, I th this is me saying this, but for, I think for the, the sake of people wanting to be marketable and to be accessible and have a chance to be heard. And I think that's really sad because 
in the long run, if you're going to put out records and do music for, a, for your whole life, if it's one record every 10 years or it's one single a month, um, you're going to be really disappointed that copyright didn't, didn't accurately protect the work that you're making because my record, like this record that I just did, Total Freedom, I started writing in 2017. That's three years ago. Like I spent three years of my life making this and yeah I didn't spend every day of my life making it but I did it took three years of work to get to this and you know maybe Fiona Apple's record took her 10 years who is anyone to sort of go to decide how long art needs to be made in like I mean I don't know I I don't I don't worry about I know this is probably comes from a place of privilege or maybe it comes from a place of of um you know, uh, hear no evil, speak no evil, but I don't care about the economics of music making. I let dual tone and my manager and my agents, I let them worry about how I'm marketed. And I, you know, if I, if something doesn't sit right, then I say, you know, I don't like that or it doesn't feel right for me or that's not who I am. And then I'm happy to have those conversations, but I think artists need to worry about making art, not about figuring out how they're going to you know, how they're going to market themselves mm -hmm. and really care about the fact that, that if they're really invested in their work, that there's value to that and, and not to dismiss that. I also bring up, uh, glad you mentioned Lowry too, one of the great unsung heroes of the music industry and what he's doing out there. Yeah, you should hear some of the things that he has to, you know, his advocacy work is really, he gets some really terrible things said to him that really come from uh, uh, such a strange place of it's almost uh, I will not compare them at all but it's really like gaslighting that ex that is happening sort of in in the Black Lives Matter conversation where people are like they you tell them what your experience is doing your job or living your life and in your profession in your personal life and someone goes it's not like that I don't know what you're talking about I'm not like that I don't know if my friends are like that and then David Lyra is going I'm telling you it's like that and and, you know, more musicians need to step up and like advocate for his message because he is actually telling people what it's like to be a recording artist and what the finances look like. And um, he gets a lot of terrible shit thrown at him and it's, mm -hmm. it's unacceptable. To compliment you on your art, to compliment you on the art that you're making because you're this amazing storyteller. Uh, I'm not the only one who said this. I, I even noticed it in the in the New York Times uh, interview. My there. mom says it too. My mom, <laughs> she said it too. But it's the way that you throw a sentence out there. It's so noticeable. I mean, even from the very first song on Total Freedom with Glenn Firm and the Street View had you in slippers line. You know, it's 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 the whole way that you're 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 going. But but I do wonder as you're telling your stories in this. Was it going to be obvious to you that you were going to, I guess I'm trying not to make it too meta, but that you were going to be talking about coming back, you know, because mm -hmm. those, those moments are in here and they're almost like, almost like told you so moments, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you, you know, that are throughout the record. I mean, was that going to be obvious that these were going to be part of the subjects? I think I just didn't worry about what I was going to write about. And before, you know, I made, would make records and I would be like, well, how do I want to, what do I want to do different? After being on stage for a year and a half, you think, you know, I really want to make a record that's more like this and blah, blah, blah. Cause I miss doing this on stage, or I'd always like to challenge myself and be, make a record that's like this, if I have the opportunity. 
And with this one, it was just like a first record experience again, where there was no context of previous. And I have no expectations because I've really, truly kind of made peace with the idea that, you know, I'm not chasing some music carrot anymore. Um, I just want to make songs that feel really good to me. So, you know, when I write a song like Glen Fern that was about, you know, my ex-husband and, and saying, you know, the online street, reflecting on a memory and thinking and actually writing into a song, something about Google street view and seeing somebody standing on the slip on, in their slippers on the front porch. And I think those things just, I just shot from the hip again. And I think that's where my best writing comes from. I think, I think you tweak stuff when you shoot from the hip, but that's why I think this feels different. It feels like my first record again, because I just kind of I threw shit out there and I, I wasn't worried if it was going to land or not. It landed for me. Well, I, I'll compliment a couple of the other songs too. Uh, Hard on everyone. Uh, and I'll hit on this one more musically because it's almost trans-like what you're doing. I mean, this isn't a shoegaze song, but as I was listening to it, you know, the whole time I was thinking like it's affecting me in the same way, like a really good shoegaze song goes on. So much of this record is talked about your lyrics. It's talked about the stories. It's talked about the lines. But on that side of the music, like, did, did you have that moment where you're like, but this is what I wanted to sound like? Well, I give my drummer full, full credit. I, I really wanted him to be the foundation of this record. And so through the whole record, it's the same drummer, a guy named Peter Von Alten was, he's a drummer from Ottawa that um, took actually a pretty, pretty big break in, in touring and recording to uh, raise a family and to, he got a job as a, as a school teacher. And then when I was, he's always played throughout that, but less with less sort of like professional sort of focus. And um, I called him, I was like, I want you to be the drummer on this record. And I want, I want to work these songs around what you and I develop as a pocket. And so I'd written hard on everyone and I brought it, uh, demoed it as a solo acoustic song. And if, you know, I'll just play the drums in my, in the background of my head right now, but I wrote a song that goes, everything in this house breaks and it was kind of this like sort of like sad but kind of like dark quiet song and he goes i have an idea for the drums and i was like oh yeah what he goes everything in this house it just changed the whole vibe and it just made it exactly what it what i wanted it to be which is probably why i enlisted him in the first place because i knew he just he has killer sensibility and so he played that part. I sang the line and my guitar player goes, da -na 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 -na. and I was like, oh, mind blown. Like in three seconds, we had the song. Like I'd written the song. And then in three seconds, we had the arrangement. We had the part. And one of the guys said, I'm worried this sounds a little bit too much like war on drugs. And I was like, listen, man, if there are records that have been with me through the last seven years, more than any other record, it's war on drugs. And if that's the influence that sits, you know, like obvious, I could give a shit because like what, like that's a compliment man. Mm. that band's fantastic. I'd be happy to sound like them. So we just went with it and it just ended up working out. I won't lie. I wrote war on drugs down right after I wrote trance, like on my piece of paper here. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, man. Yeah. I, I have no problem being uh, throwing them like absolute credit for being sonically such a huge influence on me in the last many years. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. That's a I good mean, they one have to for take. everyone. You know? Yeah, no, that's a great one to take. Uh, and and uh, another one of the songs I want to hit real quick to is Simple Math. And this is more of just the charming thing about it. I, it got me thinking about, you know, there are a lot of tropes in songwriting. 
Um, some use more than others, and this one isn't one of those overused ones, but the idea of math. But the idea of, of using those, uh, you know, the, uh, the little, I don't know, numbers to show affection in a way. It's, it's a fun way to write a little song. And I, I guess I'm just asking if you could talk a little about Simple Math. Well, Simple Math was a little lyric idea that I had about five years ago. And it just sat in the back of my mind. It was, you know, I think I was dating somebody and I was just like, this does not work. This, isn't, this just feels like there's nothing about this that feels easy. Like, this doesn't feel natural. Like I'm in an unnatural, you know, connection here. And, and then one day I was just sitting, I was like, love is, love is simple math. And then I was like, ooh, I love that because, you know, love should feel, even though love is hard at times, the true essence of feeling that way about someone should feel easy, should feel like simple math. And then it just never materialized. And I put it away in the, in the song vault idea box. And then a few years later, I reconnected with an old friend. And I had just started thinking about writing music again. I think I had written Glen Fern. And I went and saw her and we just hung out and we picked up where we left off. And there was just, I don't know, I'm sure you have friends where like, you went to high school with them and you don't really hang out with them anymore. But if they called you or you ran into them, you literally, you like literally turn into the 16 year old version Absolutely. of yourself again. You're like, oh, our jokes right away. Like, here it comes. And that's how it was with my friend Vicka. She, we would just like, we picked up in this hilarious like time warp for where we left off. And I went home and I picked up the guitar and I just sang that line. I mean, I just felt that like immediately. I was like, love is simple math. And all I could think of is like, I don't care how old we get. Cause you know, we were looking at each other going like, oh my God, we're 40 year old women now. Like who the hell saw that coming? <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I just thought also the opening line, just, just because I've, I have a good guilt complex. I always felt guilty for not staying in touch with people. But I've really made peace with the fact that that like it's not my job to, you know, we we all do our best, you know, and we don't if I'm not treating someone badly, like I don't have to feel badly about anyone that I've fallen in and out of touch with. It just that's just life. And I wrote that first line, all these people in my life come in and out like a kite. And I just then it was suddenly like thinking about what it's like to be a kid and flying a kite. And then I just the song just went and I just wrote it thinking about her and my childhood and and how crazy life can be when you're looking at somebody who you knew when you were eight going, oh, my God, you have kids. I have. Well, I don't have kids. A year, we're 40. You're 40. Oh, my God. What happened? I'm going through the same thing. I'm only a couple of years behind you on that. So, yeah, yeah it's I relate. Maybe that's why I like that song so much. I mean, there's so many songs on here that I absolutely love and I can over compliment you. And I don't mind doing that. I don't <laughs> find that tacky at all most of the time. I will throw uh, a dumb hypothetical out to you, though, um, because I was thinking, had there not been this break, had you, you know, released a record a few years before, we would have also been talking a little bit about Voyager. And, uh, and you know, when I look back on Empty Threat and that song and that line, you know, I move into America, it's an empty threat. I thought if, if you were touring right now, if touring musicians were actually a thing right now, the jokes that you probably would, would be, could be making live on stage with a song like that. Oh, my God. Well, I appreciate the, the part where it's, you know, COVID friendly, too. But but also, I mean, I, I when I wrote that song, I was still married and it was like I'm moving to America. Like I just had this incredible week of writing with John Roderick uh, from The Long Winters in Seattle. And he'd helped me write A Soft Place to Land. And 
And then, uh, and so I wrote that, came home like feeling all excited about America, but knowing like I'm probably not going to move there. And then I end up in a relationship with Justin Vernon and we make plans for me to move to the U.S. And then I was like, oh my God, I've totally shot myself in the foot because I've said I'm, it's an empty threat that I'm moving to America, but I'm really going to move to America. <laughs> and then uh, that didn't happen. And I took all my, you know, ended up going back home to Canada and it was like real again. I'm like, yeah, guess that worked out in the way it was supposed to. <laughs> and of course, the, the opposite, the, the other, the, the other side of that coin is, you know, every time, you know, the elections come around here in America and we're like, are we moving to Canada this time? And it was a bit of the empty threat last time, but now we're thinking if it happens again, oh boy, maybe that's okay, not well, so much I'm of an empty threat. I'm going to just call BS on that. There, you guys all make those. Do you make those empty threats? And none of you follow through because you're like, oh, let's just wait it out. And, yeah. and yeah. honestly, I know Canada seems like this, like, you know, it, we're like the Sweden. It's like everyone wants to be here. We got our own stuff. It's not perfect here. And yeah, we don't have, uh, you know, the great orange as our, as our leader. But there are a lot of problems everywhere. And there's no perfect answer. And actually, I find... I miss America so much right now. I know people might be shocked to hear that. I miss the U.S. so much right now. I appreciate so many things about Americans, which is that not that Canadians are like this, but I miss the the part of American culture where people go, you know, I, I get that you're like in charge, but also I'm pretty good to decide for myself what's right and what's wrong. And I really love that about American culture here in Canada. We're very much like the rules say, and the bylaw is, and the, the prime minister says, and, uh, you know, and I, I'm not really a rule follower. So I, I typically like America for that. <laughs> um, I would say the doors is always open, but I actually hear right now the door isn't open. So the door is uh, not currently open. <laughs> Otherwise the door is always open. And, uh, and I hope at some point you do come back and visit us down here in Louisville as well. Um, because I certainly am looking forward to hearing what this sounds like live with the new record, Total Freedom. Oh, I love Louisville. It's such a great town. And I was so privileged to be able to tour with My Morning Jacket many years ago, almost 50. I can't believe it's almost 15 years ago. But I still to this day credit that as one of the most wonderful touring experiences of my life. I loved opening for them every night. They're obviously they're great people, but their audience was always cool. And it was such, you know, when you open for someone, it's, you just never know what you're going to get. And every night felt like, like I, I was so lucky to be in front of those people because they cared about music and they were good to me. And, and, you know, it's the jacket. And then I got to produce a song. Well, Jim produced a song for me for a John Denver tribute album years ago. And um, I just, you know, I know everyone in Louisville already loves them. They don't need any more help on that front. But it's just one of those places like you guys have bourbon and my morning jacket. Oh, and I have, I just moved into my boyfriend's house, which is going to be my house. And one of the things I used to have by my bed every night for the last, I don't know, 15 years was this Louisville slugger that some guy brought to me with a bottle of Woodford Reserve to um, the, what's the, what's the place with the plane, the airplane club? Headliners. Headliners. Yeah. And so I played headliners and he brought me a Louisville slugger with my name in it and a bottle of, of Woodford Reserve. 
And to this day, my, my Louisville slugger is the coolest thing going. And like dudes would come over to my house. Sorry, this is a bit of a footnote, but you know, I'd invite a guy back to my place or whatever. And he'd be like, he'd look and there's like, what's the bat for by your bed? I'm like, we'll see how it goes. All right. Just, just so you know. It's a conversation stopper is what it is. Listen, I didn't teach my dogs to bite, but I can swing a bat. I used to point this out. Uh, I like pointing this out anyway, that uh, two of the things you mentioned, bourbon, baseball bats, and we're also the world's uh, largest supplier of disco balls. Wow. You know, so. Impressive. Disco balls are not what we're known for, but it's a fun fact. Anyway, anyway, it's been so much fun catching up with you again. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for just, you know, caring and doing it again and jumping back in the water with us. The album Thank is fantastic. You. Thank you. I, I feel all of the caring in, I'm receiving all the caring back. So it's good. It's a good <laughs> awesome. thing to feel. Thank you. It's been so great catching up with you. Thank you so much. And I hope we see you around soon. I hope so too. Now, definitely not the first time that Kathleen and I caught up. In fact, I'm going to include a, a second interview here. She and I spoke back in 2012 at uh, Bonnaroo. It was backstage at Bonnaroo. We caught it all on video. Actually, uh, I should mention uh, the, the interview that you just heard is also on video. You can see the, the Zoom version of it on YouTube, where you'll also find the backstage Bonnaroo version of this 2012 interview. Uh, we talked about Whiskey showing her punk rock inner child, branching out with sounds, finding new fans. She even mentions a coffee shop in there. And there was a weird visualization of me in the shower. Oh, and Matt Vasquez from Delta Spirit, you'll hear him make a cameo at the uh, beginning of the interview here too. Part two of Kyle Meredith with Kathleen Edwards. Hi. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. It's yeah. nice to be here. You're about to rock this place. Um, yes. Sure. Yes. <laughs> That's what happens. What that guy? Do you know Matt from uh, Delta Spirit? Matt from Delta Spirit. Matt from Delta Spirit? That's it right there. Yeah, I'm going to kiss that. <laughs> I'm Kathleen. Thank I know, we met. Portland. We were in uh, Portland, Oregon. We drank whiskey. Yeah, that's right. How's it going? It's good to see you. Nice to see you. We're making connections happen. That happened. guy's an asshole. Yeah? Total asshole. Is that true? No. Okay, I want that to... <laughs> All right, no, um... So no, you, you, you've been in Louisville actually, uh, where we're based out of for the uh, last little bit here. And I have to bring up something right at the Love beginning. Louisville. No, thank you. Yeah. I have to bring up something. Um, Brother Steven, great artist, Scott Kirkpatrick. Oh yeah. He says, come over to my bar. I've got some rye with your name on it, <laughs> right? And it uh, enticed you in. I happen to have a bottle of whiskey Whoa, with your name on it. Come on. <laughs> so this is oh my- Oh my God, my name is on that. This is my one upping you, Brother Steven. There is a bottle with her name on it. So wow. <laughs> you guys can mud wrestle later. For... I think we might. Yeah. For your, for your wow. love and attention. That's very generous. Thank yeah. you so much. No problem. So we can Thank actually you. set that down okay. if you need. Well, yeah. Yeah. You want to hold that? No. We can pour it in your beer. Uh, no, I think there's uh, there's this. Um, uh, I don't know. I'd say there's this. Uh, people have the wrong idea about you sometimes. That you're this. Very... <laughs> they drink a lot of whiskey. No, no. That you're very this very very sweet. You know, northerner. You know, very polite and everything. In which you're all of those, I think, <laughs> from knowing you this two minutes that we have. But I kind of get this feeling that there is this this punk rock chick inside who really does know how to take her whiskey. Um, is that a question? <laughs> that is all a question. Is it, it, am I am I am I on point with that? Is that does that ever come out? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I, my, I, I probably made my parents crazy and I was pretty, pretty feisty and independent and I don't know, maybe I just want to be a boy in a rock band sometimes and I think I write songs like a boy sometimes yeah. and I try to, trying to get more in touch with my, my feminine side. I don't know. Do I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I, I, 
I just... No, you know, you, you did actually hit on something. Um, it was a, a St. Vincent interview recently. She said, why are people saying that you're really good for a girl at 2012? You know, why, right. why does it mean something one way or the other? Guys can be effeminate. Girls can be a little bit macho. You know, and you can let it roar when you need to. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, this, is a, this could be a very long conversation about sexism in music and popular music, but I don't, I feel like I have a lot of advantages being a woman and I have a lot of really good people around me, so I don't feel ever taken advantage of. But mm -hmm. I do feel sometimes, yeah, that whole thing where you're like, you know, just because I'm fucking female doesn't mean I can't go hang on a tour bus. Right. I fucking pay for the tour bus. Okay. You a, run this shit. <laughs> a, I run this shit, and B, like I don't know, I sometimes I, I don't know. I, you see people, great guitar players, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if they're male or female, and right. it makes you want to be better. And you write songs, and you hear a great songwriter, and you want to write better songs. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think I'm mean. I'm a pretty nice person, but I also. I don't know. I also like to play a 57 Les Paul Jr. and I have a really beautiful 60s AC10 and I like to play it loud sometimes. So, suck I... on that. <laughs> and that's the pull quote right there. Suck okay. on that, says so, Kathleen Edwards. Fuck on it. You have actually, uh, with your new record, you know, the, the style, I guess you've branched out in, you know, there's, there's more textures and everything. The songs are a little bit different than what you've done in the past. And I guess that opens up a door that you could go anywhere at this point. And I don't think anyone would be surprised you know, if something else came. And is that the plan? Do you think that far ahead? Or are you going, hmm, how do I really screw with all their heads on a new record? Well, I, I have a friend who runs a coffee shop in Toronto. Mm -hmm. You'll get where I'm going on okay. this. I have a friend who runs a, co a really great coffee Indian shop. Style yeah. right now. <laughs> runs a really great coffee shop. And someone said to them the other day in an email or on a tweet or something, said, guys, I love your place. Don't change anything. You're great just the way you are. Don't experiment. Don't change. You're great. And I wrote back. I was like, isn't it nice when someone tells you not to change? And because really, that can't be. There's no, nothing less, com, more confining than that statement. Right, you know. And right. people change. People who are creative change. Like, and I got really lucky in the sense that I felt finally empowered and inspired enough to go and do something that was just a little outside of my comfort zone and. It was really rewarding, and I plan on keep. I plan on doing that yeah. for the rest of my life. What's a scary thing to do for an artist? Jeopardizing the old fan base? Is it, are we going to find a new base? And you were totally embraced by a, a new group of people. I mean, what do you call them? The indie crowd, or whatever it is. But they're just people who yeah, like music, and people sure. come about hearing stuff different ways all the time. And it's been weird this past year playing these songs because I feel like I have a bit of a schizophrenic audience where I have people who don't know a single song from my new record mm -hmm. and then there are people in the crowd who only know my new record right, right, right. and and it's weird you know I, but I'm but yeah change is good yeah it's been fun I mean we've got favorites of the old stuff too I mean you make the dough Oh, uh, yeah. I think it's going to be one of my all-time favorites. I still wow. sing that. I oh, sing man. in the shower. I sing you in the shower occasionally, and I don't know why. But there's something about the shower and that song that gets stuck in my head. I'm not sure that's something oh. I should probably tell an artist. Well, <laughs> she is I'm, speechless. Now I'm visually... <laughs> yeah, that's right. You see this? Enjoying this that. is happening. Enjoying that. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. Kathleen, it is awesome. Yeah, uh, I hope your Bonnaroo is an amazing experience. Thank you. A big Me handshake. Too. Me too. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah, enjoy the whiskey. Thank you for yeah. that gift. That's awesome. very kind. My thanks, Kathleen Edwards. Again, that new record is called Total Freedom. 
Thanks to you for checking out this episode. Before you get out, please do hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, whether it be iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you like to get your favorite podcasts from. Then after that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. WFPK.org. Again, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can also find me on all the social media spots. That's uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them at Kyle Meredith. Hopefully you'll like and follow along there as well. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. that I'm not, no other reasons at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it, more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the funny one. (laughs) Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.